things. We're looking at the earliest ministry of Jesus, and that's the heart of our life together. It's the heart of our worship together. It's our hope every week that we encounter Jesus. And our prayers and the music and our fellowship, and especially as we look at his word together, that we would encounter Jesus anew. So we just want to look at his life. When he began his public ministry, what do we see about his heart and his purposes? What is it that he says? What is it that he does? But then also, what's our response to that? What's the response of others to what he's doing? And how does that inform how we're to respond? Now this morning we're jumping over to John's Gospel. We've been in Mark, and, and we'll be in Mark's Gospel for the rest, but Mark misses this part about calling, and part of that is because Mark is a race, okay? Well, my, my middle child, from, from the earliest time when he could talk all the way to middle school, would say one phrase over and over again while I was preaching. Now my wife didn't let me know this till years later, but as I would preach, he would lean over to her, and say one thing, just consistently, routinely, he is preaching the pure word of God. That's not what he said. <laughs> he said, how much longer? How much longer? Right? That's my son. You don't have to ask that question with Mark's gospel. How much longer? It's a race. I mean, you, you don't get much teaching you don't get the call of the disciples. It is a race. The word immediately shows up 40, 50 times, more than any other gospel or any other book, because it's constantly on to the next thing. Why? So we can all slow down at Holy Week and we see the cross of Christ. We see the one who loved us so much that he served us. And so it's this race. We don't get all the details in Mark because he's trying to get you to Holy Week. He wants you to see the cross of Christ. So for today, we're jumping over to John's Gospel. Keep your Bibles open, because we'll jump around this morning. And what is it we see here about Jesus, who he is, and what he does? Now first, we see these names and titles. If you're following along in your notes, they're found on the back of your bulletin. Somebody reminded me of that last week. I don't tell you where they are, but they're in the back of your bulletin. Uh, you see that there's some names and titles. Names mean things. If I say honey to my wife, it's very different if I were to say honey to somebody else of the opposite sex. Who's saying it? What's said? My dad had an affectionate name that he got from me off of a TV show. A name or a title of high esteem. Meathead. So anyway, I remember that. Names and titles mean things. What, what are these things that we learn here of Jesus? The first thing, verse 49, rabbi. Now we're going to talk more about that later, what it means to have a rabbi. But basically, you would sit at this person's feet. It means I sit at your feet, and I want to know everything about you, and I want you to pour everything you believe into me so I can believe what you believe, but also so I can do what you do. And so for them to call him rabbi, that opens up to where we're going to go in a minute. And then this next phrase or title, son of God. This, this came up at the very beginning of Mark's gospel, 1-1. It also comes up in Mark 1-11 when, when the father says, you are my son. But it's everywhere in John's gospel, so I'm, I'm glad we're there. As a matter of fact, you get to the very end of John's gospel, he says, this is why I've written this whole gospel, that you would believe that Jesus is the son of God and in believing you'd have life. Uh, that's how it starts, John 1, 1. Jesus is the Word. He is not only of God, but is God. 
And uh, this is a reminder to us. And Nathaniel somehow gets that. How, how a Jew in that day could just receive that, but he does, that this one who is, yes, in the flesh, is the very Son of God. Thirdly, King of Israel, verse 49. What were they looking for? What were they waiting for? Who were they desperate for? These are people who have been given this land by God himself, and God's glory is there in the temple with them. This is a land set apart for God, a people called and set apart for God, and these foreign oppressors who are pagan upon pagan have come in and taken this area and, and are over them. Send us someone, your person, your Messiah that you've prophesied about to get them out of your, out, out of your holy land. They are waiting on a king to come. Now, Jesus comes, and they want their king to now come in a certain way. great reminder to the church what you're really waiting on what you're really desiring is Jesus and we can get wrapped up in the ways of this world and our own temptations the lust of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life here's a reminder again they're waiting on the king and he shows up and they, they completely miss it I like what C.S. Lewis uh, has to say about that he says all these hopeless attempts to get what we want throughout human history have resulted in poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, slavery. It's a long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. But then C.S. Lewis goes on to say, but if you look for Christ, you will find him, and with him everything else will be thrown away. We're tempted squeeze people to give us what we really need and that's jesus we're we're, we're, we're tempted to to try to pull from things things that will bring us we think fulfillment we're reminded here in this gospel that these what they've been praying for begged for it is in christ and our deepest needs are only found in him what they were waiting for was fulfilled in christ lastly this term son of man in verse 51 this was jesus's favorite way to talk about himself and you do some homework on son of man yes there is this reminder that that first off he is of us he is as john would say in verse 14 of chapter one he's incarnate he is the word but he's made flesh he knows what we wrestle with and so that son of man imagery you get in the prophets like through isaiah this one who suffers with us or in Daniel, he knows what we go through. He is a high priest who sympathizes with us. But I kind of like what Reformed preacher John Piper says about that son of man imagery in Daniel. He says, actually, that son of man, yes, he's with us, but it actually is an exalted position. But Jesus doesn't play that card there or here. I love this reminder from John, John Piper. He doesn't emphasize that part of the term. Instead, it's deferring, as we talked about it as baptism, so that when we get to what is the, the heart of Mark's gospel, when he says the Son of Man, where he should be saying this exalted one from the prophetic word of God, he says this Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. One of us, even in that title, deferring to 
Um, so, what is Jesus' call then? Verse 43, what's his call upon uh, Nathanael's life? And it's just simply two words, follow me. This is what a rabbi would say to somebody that he wanted uh, to be his follower. Listen, y'all, if Nathanael at his age hadn't heard that yet, that means he's been picked over. Same thing with Andrew, Peter, and the rest of them. At their age, they would have already had a rabbi. If they don't have a rabbi by this point, what it means is they are not the best of the best. I struggle with, why would you just follow with two words? Follow me. Same thing with Matthew. How could you just get up and follow on only two words? Well, first, Jesus said it. There's something about Jesus. But nobody's ever said that to him before. I think you can believe what I believe, and I think you can do what I do. I am calling you to follow me. That kind of investment and belief faith, I think, shook Nathaniel, so that uh, it shook uh, that in that call, verse uh, 43, uh, so that uh, Philip could uh, uh, believe them. Even just two words, and Philip's able to respond. Now this word, follow, we live in a culture where we may follow somebody on Twitter, or you might follow a certain professional team, but let's admit it, we're not following. Our culture tells us to stand out, to lead the pack, to be in charge. It's all about us. I was told there was a private school that had taken about 1,500 applicants for their freshman year, and one of the questions on their application forms was, are you a leader? And one girl was accepted, but she didn't know that. She went in for an interview to get to this prestigious school, and they ended up letting her know she was accepted, and she says, well, I was worried about that because I had put under the, are you a leader? I said, no, I'm not. And the guy joked, well, that's one of the reasons we're taking you. Of the 1,492 people, you're the only one who said you were not a leader, and we need somebody to follow all of them. So I'm out front. I'm in charge of my life. And Jesus says, would you follow me? And it's, it's a short call, and it's a call that's not just found here. It's a call that's found, I've given you the verses, 10-4, the sheep follow me, 10-27, they follow me, 12-26, if anyone serves me, let them follow me, and then John 21-19, follow me. And, and, and just so you get the context of that, that's when Jesus is telling Peter basically how he's going to die, and he says after that, you, you follow me, I need you to follow me. It's a hard and difficult call. And if you just go through the other Gospels on that, we just say, oh, that's nice. Follow your rabbi. Listen to the context for some of these. Matthew 4.19, when we see this word, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Well, that's great. And I get to fish for men. What does that mean? It means I leave my family business. Could you leave family for the Gospel? Could you leave the security of your vocation for the Gospel? You follow me and stop your fishing here, basically. And come fish with me. Follow. Matthew 8, 22. I just need to go back and bury my father. You follow me. Let's go right now. Matthew 9, 9. This call to Matthew. Follow me. Well, that, that's not hard. Matthew, there's no strings attached. Just follow. Can you get over your shame and follow Jesus? Can you let the injuries of your past impede the ways in which you follow Jesus? Matthew was a tax collector. Nobody liked 
Matthew. The assumption was that all those guys were cheating. They betrayed their country because they're, they're in cahoots with the Romans. Can you get over your stuff and allow God to let you follow Jesus and be all that he's called you to be and do all that he's called you to do? Two little words, and it changes Matthew's life. And then following along, Mark 8.34, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you had ever seen a cross, you would not forget it. And for him to put those words all together, deny yourself, uh, follow me, okay, take up your cross. This is what following looks like, this kind of surrender and this kind of self-giving. Mark 10, 21, the rich young ruler, sell your possessions. We remember that part, but we forget that the next words out of Jesus' mouth is, sell your possessions and follow me. Whatever's in the way, whatever you're holding back, that has to go so you can rightly follow me. Luke 9, 61, I just want to go back and say goodbye to my family. Hey, remember, the, good Lord, the Lord has created family. And what does he say? Follow me. Don't go back. Follow me. It is a beautiful call on a life that when he hears that, yes, I get to be a part of following this one who, who will offer life and wisdom. And but it's a tough call. Vocation, family, cross, you follow me. And then this reminder, too, about how, how critical it is for you and I, then. We, we talk about what following means. Following certainly means the root word of it means you're, lear you're a learner for the rest of your life. That I would sit at the feet of my rabbi. Jesus, what do I need to learn of you today, this week? What, what, is, it, what is it you want to teach me? As, as a Christian, we never have it all together. We are constantly sitting at the feet of Jesus. Show me more in your word. Show me more in my prayer life. Show me more through the accountability of friends in my life. I want to learn more of you and how, how to respond. That's the root word. But also this reminder, too, that you, if you're in Christ and are a disciple of your rabbi, you follow. Whatever he does, you do. It was a common phrase back in that day. I just, I just want to be covered in the dust of my rabbi. Meaning I want to follow so close that he, his, his heels are spitting up dust on me. Wherever he goes, I will go. Whatever he does, I will do follow. Maybe you've heard of the, of the person Eric, Eric Weinmayer. Climbed Everest in the early 2000s. It's, it's, it's unbelievable how many people failed to make it to the highest peak. It's also a sad truth of the hundreds that have died trying to get there. Eric did it. Eric is blind. How did he get there? Two things. He listens well. Death fall to your right in two feet. And then there was a bell on the person in front of him. And he just followed. He followed well. Philip, follow me now. Follow me. Following means sitting under our rabbi, learning every day. Lord Jesus, what would you teach me about yourself, who I'm to be, but also help me to follow. Wherever you go, whatever you do, let that be my life. And then his response this come and see response in verse 56 reminds us too, we see a response to those who are called by Christ. We get invested in the kind of ministry Jesus does. If you read the Greek on this thing, the Greek, the Greek sentence, the most important thing in the, in the sentence is the first word. 
So where you might see a word that says Philip finds Nathaniel, it's not exactly how it reads. The actual reading is finds Philip Nathaniel. It's the same thing. Go back a few verses later, it's the same thing. Finds Andrew Peter. He gets wrapped up in this finding and invitation. And that's a critical part of our ministry is just simply to invite, to find. That's, that's, that's his response, and that's to be our response. How is it? How is it you and I are finding our neighbors? Or a coworker, or somebody we are in social circles with? That finding is the first word. My response to Christ's call to me is, how can I be a part of his finding ministry? And then secondly, you see some testimony here uh, uh, in Philip's life. And testimony, I, I've given you those verses. There's testimony after testimony after testimony throughout John's gospel. And there's nothing like a testimony. You can argue with a whole lot of things. It's hard to argue when somebody just looks you in the eye and says, I've met Jesus. And here's how he's changed my life. There's nothing like a testimony. Philip says, hey, just come and see. And he, and he uses some words here that not only are testimony, but you can see that he's fully invested. And he says exactly what Nathaniel needs to hear. These Jews have been waiting for a Messiah. And he's skeptical. He's off. Fig tree and all that stuff. He's waiting on Messiah. And so what is it that he says to his brother? Look at these words. When he talks about Moses, law, and prophets in verse 45. Deuteronomy 18 says, Moses speaking, says, The Lord your God will raise up a prophet from your countrymen. He's just right on point saying the things that Nathaniel needs to hear. He's right on point saying the exact same things that he needs to hear so that he can make a response. I love that our church will host groups. We're going to host a group in a couple of weeks as they come for the Methodist gathering, all the students from around the state. We're going to be piling tons of them into our uh, gym, our CLC. And this weekend, uh, to be able to host uh, the Restore Weekend, uh, those are people who are struggling and, and have struggled, whether out of prison or other things. No telling the shame that they may feel from whatever they've done in their lives. And to stand here and hear the exact words that they need to hear about the love of Christ that will chase them down. No, you couldn't earn it. None of us deserve it. The lyrics say that. But yet God gives himself away. Oh, oh the overwhelming love of God. It's right on point to what a people who might, might be struggling with shame need to hear. And here, I've been waiting for the king to finally come and do something and, and, and waiting for the Old Testament fulfillment. And it's just just like a good follower of Christ, to say, to make the investment to know what needs to be said. Moses, law, and prophets. My son's girlfriend did the most romantic thing that a, a girlfriend could do uh, for, for a boyfriend. For Christmas, she bought him tickets to see professional hockey. I don't know of anything more beautiful or romantic than that, where men punch each other in the face and push each other into glass walls. Why'd she do that? Unfortunately, she's known my son for four years and she's heard him scream at the TV when he watches his Pittsburgh Penguins, right? She knew Seth. 
and she knew this would be the thing that would just blow him away, right? Do we know our friends well enough to know the questions they are asking so that we can be able to couch the gospel in ways that they will hear it? When, when he responds, Nathaniel responds in what's been presented to him by Philip. Look at how he responds. Jesus is the Messiah, King of Israel, Son of God. All great responses of a Jewish person of that time. But that's exactly how Philip presented it to him. Law, prophets, Moses. He knew exactly what he needed to hear. He said it in the language that he needed to hear without compromising the gospel. And then he responds. How is it you and I are doing that for our children, for our friends, for our family members, so we can say the gospel clearly and rightly, but answering the questions that they are asking. And then quickly, let's look at the response here. I don't have time for this. But verses 47 through 51, we see uh, Nathaniel's uh, response. This, this is a, a, a good reminder to us that, that he's somebody who's searching. He's under the fig tree. Rabbis would teach under trees, or, or it was known as a place of prayers where people would gather under trees for prayer. So there's something, as a matter of fact, that's how Augustine, the Lord came to him under a tree and said, take up and read, which eventually led to his conversion. So he has, he has positioned himself to receive. There's something to that, y'all. As, as we are struggling with God, why haven't you answered this prayer? As he's fervently seeking for God's Messiah, he's, it looks like by his vocation, he's put himself in a place to hear of God. And maybe you're going through a time of struggle over why this hasn't been answered in a certain way. Or whatever it might be, you have to position yourself in a place to receive of God. In your prayer life, in your walk with others as you share that life with others and tell them what you're going through so they can enter in with you and not only pray for you, but maybe help you hear the word of God where you cannot hear it. It's a good word for us from Nathaniel. How is it we are positioning ourselves to receive from God? As we, as we look at this, there's so much here about Jesus. How is it you and I are following well? That's the hard call, but also this glorious call. Philip wasn't the best of the best. He'd been passed over, and yet Jesus says, I think you can believe what I believe and do what I do. How is it you and I are listening well and following well? But also, how is it you and I can be a part of his finding ministry? What's your testimony? How are you sharing that? How are you carefully in your conversations and, and, in, and in the way you relate with others, answering the questions that you're, uh, the people you love are, are asking? And then lastly, if you're in a time of struggle, how are you positioning yourself to receive of God? You're letting others speak into your life. You allow others to walk with you through that. Nathaniel allows Philip to speak into his life. He's also under that fig tree, which means he's probably in prayer or in study. Are you allowing the word of God and God speaking through prayer to speak a word to you as well. Our closing hymn is 568. Let's take our hymnals and stand and respond to this, his word.